Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Marquis. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Over the line, or closing, he's in. A backhander and a save by Tony Esposito. Stan Mikita was a small guy, very cocky in those days. A right hand by and trying to tear his hair out. NBC Chicago's James Naveau. Six seventy, the scores hockey guy Jay Zawaski. Wire podcast. Him off the boards. He shoots. He's going down to the tank. A game-winning goal. The Hawks live to fight another day. Falling back. Sobel drives. Gets it from The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Chicago's going to be in last place forever. Triple Threat Sports, Fry the Coop, Dr. Squatch, and by the Cincinnati Group, let's drop the puck. How about that? How about that, <laughs> everybody? Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Boy, I'm pumped up. That new intro is, that's something, that's the best I've felt in two days listening to that. That tapes <laughs> highlight, man, that gets your, that gets the goosebumps going, doesn't it? The, the Jeremy Roenick goal at the Chicago Stadium, the last goal the Blackhawks scored at Chicago Stadium, that one 
That makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up, man. That is a hell of a call by a Mr. Pat Foley. Uh, guys, this is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. I am James Naveau from NBC5 Chicago. Still recovering a bit. The uh, second dose of the COVID vaccine kind of smacked me in the face. That's why we didn't do um, a pod last night, but feeling better today. And, of course, Jay Zawoski of 670 The Score and the I'm Fat Podcast is here as well. He is the man, the myth, the legend, and he's been doing pretty good since I've uh, been kind of out of commission. Jay? How you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great. It's good to hear your voice again. It feels like uh, it's been, I guess it has kind of been a long time because the Hawks had so many days off for like the only time this season. And we, so we haven't talked in a few days and then I did the solo one the other day. So it's good to hear your voice. I want to shout out, by the way, Jordan Malley, who is my uh, partner at 670 The Score. I commissioned him to make the open because the days of audio production have sort of slipped past me. <laughs> you know, like, I can do it, but I can't do it as well as the younger guys can. So I threw Jordan a few bucks to put that together for us. So uh, I think it just sounded awesome. It was ready for a refresh one and, you know, put some energy in there. So uh hope you enjoyed that open. And thanks for joining us. Email us madhousepod at gmail.com or on Twitter at madhousepod, Instagram madhouse underscore pod. Uh, we're on Patreon at madhousepod. Check out madhousepod.com for everything Madhouse Podcast. And check out our merchandise shop powered by our friends at Triple Thread Sports at MadhousePodMerch.com. We have buy so... Jay Zawoski's book, by the way. Oh, yeah. You can buy my book at MadhousePod.com slash book or anywhere books are sold. I had a book signing for the first time this weekend, which is was weird. I was going to ask you how that went. Yeah, it was great. Evan Moore came by to say hello. He's got a book coming out uh, soon. So we're going to have him on the podcast to talk about that. Uh, a couple times before the book comes out, so you can look forward to that. But uh, it was cool. It was kind of a different thing. I haven't haven't had the chance to do that. So to get out there and actually sign copies of my book was um, kind of a surreal experience that I was definitely, you know, as I was going through the process, it was something I was looking forward to having happen. And then COVID happened, and then I wasn't able to do it at all. So it was really nice to have... Um, it was really nice to be able to get out there and do it. So it was cool. So thank you for asking and for mentioning it. Yeah, no problem, man. So we got a lot to get to. We've got Andrew Shaw stepping away from hockey. We've got a new contract for Riley Stillman. We've got the Blackhawks 7-4 loss to Tampa. We've got Adam Boquist out for the year. Other than that, though, pretty quiet in Blackhawks land. <laughs> it's just everything's happening. Oh, you mean that's all? That's all we have to get to? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Not, not too much stuff. So, yeah, that's where we're – I think let's start with last night's game just because it's fresh in our minds. And, you know, I've seen a lot of people kind of pissed about that game on social media. I can't really gather up the anger about that one. You played a team that is a Stanley Cup favorite. You played with basically four defensemen the entire game. Um, you outshot them 40-30. to 30. You won the possession battle. Uh, but you just had some bad goaltending. Kevin Lincoln, it was flat out bad in the first period. He's it's okay. He's been good all year. Every goalie has a bad game. It happens. Um, but that that's sort of the story. I can't really muster up anger about the Hawks performance last night. I, I think that we probably should start with the negative just because the Blackhawks did lose the game. They end up going one seven and zero against the Lightning this season. I think this yeah. once yeah they they did not have a good season obviously against Tampa Bay. 
And I think that we do need to start with the goaltending because I think that it it's a question that we're probably going to face a lot in the offseason. I know last offseason there was a ton of question marks about who the heck was going to be the goaltender for the Blackhawks this season. And then Kevin Lankinen seemed to kind of answer all of those questions early in the season. He kind of became the heir apparent, the guy that the Blackhawks are expecting to be their guy moving forward. His performances recently have decidedly not been of that vintage. And I know that we're really, we were kind of waiting for him, obviously, to come back to earth. There was absolutely no way he was going to be able to continue that pace. His last six games, Jay, he's given up at least three goals in every single one of those games. Gave up five against the Dallas Stars back on April 8th. Gave up five against Nashville on uh, Monday. Yeah. Uh, Monday the 19th of April and then he gave up three last night and he's gotten pulled from both of his last two games and obviously I'm not going to sit here and worry about a six game stretch for a guy who was so stinking good at the beginning of the season it does show you though that he's not bulletproof he's not probably going to be a top five or a top 10 guy in the NHL I think the good thing about this recent run from him is it'll hopefully temper expectations a little bit, both on the part of the fan base and on the part of the front office on what exactly he can be. And hopefully the Blackhawks don't just stand pat at the goaltender position and say, you know, Kevin's fine. We're just going to roll with Kevin because that might not be the best idea. Am I off base in thinking that? I don't think so. And when we start to look at, you know, as the season wraps up here, we start to look at silver linings and I, I don't want to say that it's a silver lining that Kevin Lincoln and started to struggle towards the end of the year, but you're right. Like you don't want to just say like, well, he was good. So goalie solved. I, I look, I like Kevin Lincoln and I think he is a replacement level starter, which is not an insult. He is an average league starter. Okay. However, I much prefer Kevin Lincoln in as elite backup. That to me is a better place to have him. And I think right now you've got two elite backups in Subban and in Lankinen. Um, and I'm fine with either one, frankly. I've seen great stuff from both. I've seen some stinkers from both. Uh, however you want to work that out financially, cool. But yeah, I'm with you. I don't I don't think the goaltending position is solved by any means. Now, I'm not saying they go out in the free agent market and spend top dollar on the best available veteran goalie, but to just market as well, Kevin Lincoln was great early in the year. So problem solved, I think that's premature. So I hope that Sam Bowman and company are looking at the goaltending position from that same lens. Is it, it here's the question, James, if they open the season with Kevin Lincoln and as their starter next year, are you okay with that? I think so, but like you said, only if there is another guy who can kind of be the Corpusalo or the Merzlikens to borrow from kind of what the Columbus Blue Jackets have done, just to kind of have that one and one A type of guy. Not to say obviously either of them should be playing at you know an elite level. I'm just saying that you have to be able to put them back there and expect them to probably get around like a nine ten save percentage, maybe allow two and a half goals or so a game. You just you want or sorry, a little bit more than that. That's like pretty solid level there. But what I mean is just a guy who you can have some confidence in. He's not going to make every single save. It's really hard to find goalies, obviously, that can sport the kind of numbers that you've seen put up in past seasons. But I just, I think that as long as you have a guy that you feel confident in kind of rotating him and Lankanen out of the nets, 
I think that's good enough, and it allows you to address other issues that you're going to have to address. And it does kind of – it'll dovetail nicely into what we're going to talk about next, which I think was the reason that everybody was so angry about last night's game is – I know the defense, you only had, like you mentioned, the four defensemen most of the time. You had Connor Murphy in the box most of the game. Obviously, you had Adam Boquist leave the game with his injury. Uh, the defense, I, I think, irritated everybody last night. But before we get away from the goaltending, I do want to point out, there are a few guys who are going to be hitting the free agent market that I'm wondering if the Blackhawks would be willing to kind of kick the tires on to kind of see if maybe they would be interested in. You're looking at guys like uh, – Antti Ranta, for instance, is going to be a free agent at the end of the season, makes $4.25 million. Philip Grubauer from Colorado is set to be a free agent. Peter Mrazek from the Carolina Hurricanes is also going to be a free agent. And that's not even mentioning guys like Tuka Rask and Pekka Rene, who obviously the Blackhawks could probably go out and get to a kind of a bigger ticket deal for two or three seasons if they wanted to go in that direction. It's just a very – it's going to be a very interesting free agent class coming up this offseason, and I think the Blackhawks would probably be well-served if they kind of kicked the tires on a few of those guys because I'd imagine with so many options available, you're probably not going to have to overpay for some of the guys that are going to be hitting the market. Some of those names you mentioned are interesting, and we're talking about you know a team that is rebuilding, a team that is um, you know trying to go younger, but goalies typically take longer to sort of find their – you know, to find their place. So when you talk about maybe a 22 year old or 23 year old forward, the goalie equivalent of that would be 26, 27, right? right. So anti Ranta is 32 years old. I don't think that he's old by any means, right? By NHL standards, he made 4.25 million uh, as a cap hit. Um, that is probably going to go up for him. Um, Rene is 38. Rask is 34. Eh, on those two. I still think Boston will find a way to bring Rask back. It just sort of makes sense. Um, but you're, as you start to look at the list, like Grubauer, you mentioned, is 29. That's a, a 3.33 cap hit, so that'll go up a little bit, but that's manageable, right? So there are some names out there. I just think that there are other needs this team needs to fill, and there's a lot of questions financially for the Hawks before free agency even begins, and to me, I talked about this the other day on the uh, sort of the breaking news Andrew Shaw podcast I did. Zadorov is a huge question mark here. This thing is going to kind of hang over the offseason. Uh, he can he can definitely be exposed in the expansion draft. Maybe the Hawks will do that. But he's a restricted free agent with arbitration rights, making $3.2 million this year. Safe to assume he's going to get a raise. That's just how it works. Guys don't, you know, 26-year-old defensemen, don't take pay cuts in their next contract. That's just not how it works. Someone's going to pay him. And the Hawks have first refusal for him, right? And they can right. take him to arbitration if they want, which I think won't drive his number up too high. But sort of getting to another topic on the podcast here, you just re-signed 23-year-old Riley Stillman. Yep. And does that now make Nikita Zadorov expendable? And I know if you're listening in your car, you're shouting, yes, he sucks. <laughs> I know everybody hates Nikita Zadorov, but a 26 year old with that much experience, maybe in his second year in the system on a deeper defensive team, if you can get him for 4 million or less, he might be worth taking a flyer on. But then what does that prevent you from doing elsewhere? If you want to bring in a top flight, number one defenseman, somehow that money's got to come from somewhere. 
I mean, look how many guys they have signed to contracts for next season on the blue line specifically. You obviously yep. have Keith Dahan and Murphy. Would not shock me at all at this point looking at their cap-friendly page if they ended up trying to move either Dahan or Murphy during the offseason. I feel like that's probably kind of an inevitable thing just because you have so many young guys under contract because you also have Wyatt Kalnuck who has been playing absolutely fantastic hockey you absolutely have to have him on your roster next season I think you it, at least for me he's penciled in as a top six defenseman next season right off the bat for me mm-hmm. he is he has played such a good level of hockey for the Blackhawks I've really liked what I've seen from him had a goal in last night's game you have Adam Boquist, who's still under contract, obviously. You have Nicholas Bodan. You've now got Riley Stillman, who's got the new three-year deal that's going to kick in. You've got that dude named Ian Mitchell that's still in your system. Right, right. And then, and then, oh, yeah, you still have Alec Regula in the system, too. There are a million defensemen that the Blackhawks have under contract next season. They won't have to worry about trying to negotiate with you know arbitration, blah, blah, blah. They have a million options on the blue line, and I think that it gives them a lot of flexibility with what they can do with Nikita Zadorov. They can expose him in the expansion draft. They can you know, trade his rights to another team. They can sign him to a deal, and they at least have some leverage because they can say, yeah, you can ask for 5 or $6 million a season. We have a million defensemen. We don't have to give you that kind of money. So I think the Blackhawks have put themselves in a really advantageous position with Nikita Zadorov, and I am really interested to see where he fits into this mix because I thought the Riley Stillman contract really kind of showed that the Blackhawks are willing and able to potentially replace what Zadorov brings if they end up deciding to part ways with him. Yeah, and I think you know you mentioned Dahan. When you're talking about guys, the Hawks are going to expose. I think Dahan and Zadorov will be exposed. Both those guys, and I think. You know, if I'm looking at the list of players the Hawks are are probably going to expose, and this was published by The Athletic, they listed Zadorov, Dahan, Camp, Gaudet, Carpenter, Connolly, Subban, and Delia. If I'm going through that list as a Seattle Kraken, those two defensemen, however you want to rank them in your mind, uh, 29-year-old Calvin Dahan making 4.5 and Zadorov uh, a free agent, both those guys are the most appealing that the Hawks are going to expose. And if you're trying to build a team... A guy like Calvin DeHaan, you know, yes, injury plagued, but good leader, good guy in the locker room, the kind of guy you want to have around your team when you're starting something new. Both those guys are very appealing. So I would be surprised if one of those two is not taken in the expansion draft. Um, but we're, we're not there yet, you know, so we got a little ways to go before that uh, pops up. Yeah. But the other thing I and I mentioned this on the last podcast, too is a lot of people are assuming that Bowman is not going to move on from Zadorov because he traded Brandon Saad for him and because it, it, if he if he walks away, he's got egg on his face, whatever. I'll say this, and, and this will be a good testing ground for this concept of this is Stan Bowman's first year without the uh, imposing presence of John McDonough. And... What we have learned since McDonough's firing is he was a lot more involved than we were led to believe, right? And I think probably more than people knew. I think once he was let go, people started talking because there was sort of a sense of fear about him throughout the company. So people didn't want to say anything bad and fear it would get out. But now that he's gone, people have spoken up a little bit. This is Stan Bowman 100%. What he wants to do, he will do. So we'll see. Is he going to be 
willing to just cut his losses on Zadorov and let him walk away for a fourth round pick or a fifth round pick or whatever and call it a day or just let him go in the expansion draft? Or is he going to double down, sign him in hopes that he sort of turns the corner and becomes more consistent? Because there were moments last night that Zadorov made some really nice defensive plays, broke up a two on one, didn't even allow a pass or a shot on a two on one, um, some decent puck movement, but then. Of course, there's those moments in the game that are just idiotic. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> like, you see you see what Stan Bowman saw when he traded for him, right? Thinking yeah. bigger role, more minutes. Maybe this will lead to him taking that next step in his career. It didn't happen this season, but there have been those flashes. So, I don't know. That, to me, I know is crazy. But, like, to me, the biggest story of the offseason, at least the early offseason, is what happens with Nikita Zadorov. Are you insane, Jay? You know what the bigger story is? Do you re-sign Vinny Hinnestroza? <clears throat> yes. I'm being sarcastic, I, I, no, by I, the way. That's, I mean, Vinny Hinnestroza. It's a great question, but it is definitely not the biggest story no, it's in not. the offseason. But he makes a million bucks. I'm willing to pay Vinny Hinnestroza one and a half million to do what he does. I, I am absolutely willing, especially just what he based on what he's been doing and what he's brought, honestly. It, like, all kidding aside, I kind of thought the trade was pointless. I was like, ooh, another guy, another Stan Bowman retread. And then Vinny Henestrosa came in and is honestly making a really nice impact for the team in a lot of different areas. I have to eat a bit of crow with Vinny Henestrosa. He came in here looking to prove something, and he absolutely had is really done it. So kudos to him. Let's let's talk about the defense just a little bit more because again, I think that they were the reason so many people were upset last night. Riley Stillman had a really bad game last night, mm. dude. He – and I get it. Like, you just – you sign the new contract. You want to probably come out and prove yourself. He made a lot of really careless decisions during the game, and one in particular kind of stood out to me. The – I'm trying to remember – sorry, and by the way, again, for those of you who don't remember, I had my second COVID shot. I had a fever yesterday. was not in my right mind, so I apologize for this. I don't remember which Tampa Bay player scored the wraparound goal mm -hmm. in the game. I believe Subban was in that, so was the second period of the game. Stillman had an opportunity to break that play up, and he came at him and tried to hit the guy instead of, I don't know, putting his stick on the ice and trying to hit the puck or the guy's <laughs> stick. No, Stillman tried to hit the dude, and it was just like, that's hockey 101, bro. The puck can't go in the net if you hit it. Like, you try to hit the guy, the puck could still squirt into the net, which it did. Stillman has to know better than that. And then he obviously did make a couple of really other, I thought, bad plays along the boards. He lost coverage a couple of times. And I know some of that is Colleton's kind of switching defense, which kind of victimized Philip Kurashev a couple of times as well. I, I just thought Riley Stillman had a really rough game last night, and it definitely showed that he is a 23-year-old guy who you know is still very fresh in this league. He's still got a lot to learn. Well, the, the wraparound goal specifically, it's so antithetical to what the Blackhawks do because <laughs> they're just po <laughs> they'll poke check you into submission. That's all. That's all they do. It's so rare to see a hawk go take the body on anybody. And he tried to take the body in the one situation <laughs> that you absolutely yeah, cannot. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I I don't know it. 23-year-old defensemen are going to make mistakes, and I'd rather see him doing that than Murphy or DeHaan or whoever right. else doing it. The only reason I brought it up specifically about him was the fact it wasn't his only mistake last night, and mm -hmm. I thought it was a really good 
indicator of a guy who who prides himself on his physicality, which Riley Stillman does, you have to know there is a time not to try to throw a hit, and that was one of those times. Uh, before we wrap up discussing last night's game, we've sort of been talking around it. Um, Mike Hardman makes his Hawks debut. Good old number 86. Just a single tear falls from my eye every time <laughs> I see that number out there for the Hawks. But a um, lot of special teams in this game, so not as much ice time as they had wanted to get him. Uh, Jeremy Cowton said as much after the game. But I test 22-year-old big forward was very physical, pretty noticeable. Had a nice move where he uh, stick handled around the defenseman, but then drew a penalty. But had that penalty not occurred, he would have been one on one with the goalie. Mm-hmm. So, you know, game one, I saw some nice stuff from Mike Hardman. We should definitely mention him, too, because uh, he signed forever ago, it felt right. like. And then I, I sort of forgot about him. And last night, Addy had a softball game. So I got into the game late. So as soon as I walk in the door, I fast forward the pregame show and to start with puck drop. So I didn't even realize he was playing until. I saw his first shift, and I got to say, like, mostly positive from Hardman in his first game. What was kind of funny is he was a guy that we kept bringing up. Is like, oh, he'll be the next guy up off the taxi squad or whatever. He's going to get in, blah, blah, blah. And then just every every single day it was another dude was playing instead of him or Jeremy Colleton was dressing 11 forwards and seven defensemen or whatever it was, and they just could never get Hardman into the game. I completely agree with you. Last night had a great night in terms of uh, his physicality. at had seven hits last night for the Blackhawks, by far their leader in that category. So really liked what I saw from him there. Also, I do have to shout out David Camp, by the way, who the Blackhawks were terrible in face-offs earlier this season. Just god-awful. David Camp has been a revelation in the face-off dot for this team this season. He won 11 of 12 draws last night against a really tough Tampa Bay center group. I thought that was a really good game for him. That's... About all he does. I, I, you know what? It's better than nothing. I know. I know. I just can't. <laughs> he also played three minutes of shorthanded time. So clearly the Blackhawks trust him in that type of uh, defensive go win a face off, fire the puck down the ice kind of role. It's funny. Brett Connolly has been playing with camp for most of the season since he got traded here. And Pat Foley's like, in the last few games, he's had like one shot on goal. Then he gets one shift away from camp and has like three shots in the <laughs> one shift. Like oh, it's, it's like camp like stifles everyone's <laughs> possession numbers, including his own team. Yeah, I just, I just, you know, I love the faceoff guy. I he's a good penalty killer. I just can't. If I never see him play another shift for the Hawks, I'm not gonna. I won't shed a tear. It, it's not a knock. He's fine. I just. Like, okay, let's give someone else a chance to see if they can do a little more than what Camp is doing. Another interesting deployment thing, if we're going to talk about that, Pew Suter did not play a single shift on the power play last night, did play on the penalty kill. I like the fact that they're using him in a bunch of different roles. Like, that's really... To me, he's a restricted free agent at the end of the season, and I know a lot of attention is going to be paid to Zadorov and how whether or not the Blackhawks are going to keep him. I'm really interested to see how much Pia Suter is going to make next season. That is a good question. And that was our big you know, concern this offseason was how much is, are they going to play, pay Kubelik? 3.7, as everybody knows, is what Kubelik signed for. He's got another year left on that deal, and he will be a restricted free agent with Arb rights after that. It's not going to be that much for Suter. I, he did not have a Kubelik type of season. But if we're looking at two, two and a half, that's probably somewhere to be thinking about when you're trying to handicap the next contract for Pia Suter. Um, 
one. I still think there's more there to him. That's why oh, I'm no really doubt. Am interested Absolutely. in keeping him around. Abs- no, I definitely think they should keep him around. And this is the one thing that I think Stan Bowman and his staff have thrived at the most are these European free agents. They've done a tremendous job bringing in these sort of players. And Mike Hardman is not a European free agent, but he's a college free agent. They've got kind of a knack of finding some talent um, where you, you maybe look, Antti Ranta was that guy. Antti yep. Niemi was that guy who was a, a player overseas and they sign. It's not someone who's drafted, but they sign him, they bring him in and they develop him, And then eventually they can't afford him, like Artemi Panarin, but right. they've got the ability to bring the guys in to identify them. And who knows? Oh, Kevin Lankin in qualifies as that too. Yes, he does. But that Kubelik goal last night, that one timer. Oh. Oh, oh man. Yes. And he had a breakaway too. His shot is so quick. I know he's been a little reliant on the five hole attempt lately, but he's had a lot of success with it. But that, Which he did get he got that's what he got stopped on on that breakaway yeah, last night. That puck off his stick is so fast. My God. Mm-hmm. That dude, he's got a shot. All right. We're we're talking a lot. I haven't told you about any of our sponsors yet because I'm a amateur. No, it's because we haven't. You know what? We haven't <laughs> talked in a while, buddy. It's like when you uh, see a good friend after a long absence. You just you, the words flood out, man. I know it's like a virtual hug. Ah, your voice just you, washes over me. <laughs> anyway, tell us about some sponsors, Jay. Yeah, well, our newest sponsor, Kent Simpson, is a huge hockey fan. Former hockey player, played in college. Uh, and after over a decade prosecuting homicide cases as an assistant Cook County State's attorney, Kent opened his own firm over 20 years ago, specializing in all forms of personal injury cases, including injuries as a result of accidents, including cars, trucks, motorcycles, bicycles, boats, planes, buses, helicopters, Cessna jets, big, large Zeppelins, Goodyear blimps specifically, but not the MetLife blimp and other forms of transportation. Also, slip and fall cases, injuries as a result of hazardous drugs or products. His firm's results speak for themselves. With millions recovered for their clients, Sinson Law Group charges no fees unless they win for you. So, call for a free consultation. 312-332-2107. 312-332-2107. Or, Auntie Ranta, Duncan Keith, Dustin Bufflin, Duncan Keith, Stan Makita, Brent Seabrook. That's the number. 312-332-2107. Or visit SinsonLawGroup.com. Don't go off sides. Go top shelf. Call now. Yes, I'm a nerd. I will also tell you, James, that my phone number, which I will not give out on the podcast, is assembled of mid-2000s Blackhawks jersey numbers. Hmm. I can give you the I can give you the players and you have to like maybe the people have to like dissect what my phone number is. Why would you give out your phone number on the podcast? Do you really want people to like sit there and Zapruder film that? Like I I mean, who's gonna call us? That's true. I'm just gonna give your number out instead. <laughs> you, you'll be uh, my <laughs> Keith Magnuson, <laughs> Nick Jalmerson, Duncan Keith. Are you doing it? Are you really doing it? Well, I mean, those are the first three numbers. All yeah. right, there you go. That's a clue, everybody. Everybody start calling James. <laughs> All right, let's take a quick time out and regroup for my nonsense. Uh, we come back, we're going to talk about Andrew Shaw's retirement and uh, also Adam Boquist. Kid cannot catch a break, man. Out for More the like season. Adam Broke with... wrist. Oh, too soon. Way too soon. <laughs> I will fire James and find a more sensitive replacement. During this time out on the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. 
The economy is made up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything. Which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Jay Zawoski out here in Homewood. James is out there in Bourbon A. And we want to tell you about our friends at Dr. Squatch Natural Soap Company. If you've been listening to the Madhouse Podcast for a long time, you know how enthusiastic we are about Dr. Squatch. It is a natural soap company. They also offer deodorant, shampoo, colognes, beard oils, toothpaste, anything that's all natural and goes on your skin and makes you feel good and feel healthy. Dr. Squatch has it in droves. Go to drsquatch.com. Check out what they have to offer. When you're ready to check out, enter that promo code MADHOUSE20. First-time users will save 20% on their order and support the podcast while doing so, which we always greatly appreciate. If you're a first-timer, I recommend picking up two bars of soap and a soap saver. You're making a premium investment in yourself and in soap, so you're going to want to protect it with that soap saver. It makes your soap last two, three times longer than it would if you just left it sitting there on the edge of your shower or tub. My favorite scents are the cold brew cleanse, the uh, cool fresh aloe, and a new one I've really started to love is the deep sea goat's milk. That one is phenomenal. And that's one that your whole family can use, your wife, your daughter, your son, whoever. That is a a gender neutral scent. So the deep sea goat's milk is fantastic, but really everything at Dr. Squatch is great. So go to drsquatch.com. Again, when you're ready to check out Use that promo code MADHOUSE20 and you will save. James, I had my chance uh, earlier this week to sort of say my piece and my thoughts about Andrew Shaw. So I'm going to give you the floor first to just sort of say, you know, when you heard the news that Shaw was retiring, uh, what went through your head? I think the first thing that obviously the probably the thing that came to everybody's mind was just the way that Andrew Shaw's career kind of arced. I guess you would say he was never the guy that was going to score 40 goals a season. He was never the flashiest player, was never the dude who was going to be able to get by on skill alone. The only way Andrew Shaw was going to get by in this league was to work his ass off every single shift in every single game and to put everything that he had into the game of hockey. And that is exactly what Andrew Shaw did. And it endeared him to a lot of Blackhawks fans, and rightfully so. And I think that that, to me, is probably the biggest takeaway that I have about Andrew Shaw's time in Chicago is not just obviously the great moments, the bleeding from his face and hoisting the Stanley Cup, the headbutt goal, all the shenanigans that he used to pull on the ice, shin pads, the whole nine yards. All that stuff was fantastic. The thing that always kind of amazed me about Andrew Shaw was how he kind of appealed to the more casual hockey fan, right? Like, obviously, guys like Kane and Taves are going to draw a lot of attention from those types of fans. But Andrew Shaw did it in a way that was really unique. He was not a star-level player, obviously. But people 
even people with only passing interest in the Blackhawks knew about Andrew Shaw and loved Andrew Shaw. He, I, I hate to say this because I know a lot of cities like Philadelphia and Boston always pride themselves on rooting for the little guy and loving the blue collar worker who brings his lunch pail to the rink every day, blah, blah, blah. We're all familiar with those cliches, but I think in Chicago, we do embrace that ethos. We do embrace those types of guys, the hard workers, the guys who just put their heads down and just grind all day, every day. And Andrew Shaw appealed to Blackhawks fans for that reason. And I think that's always going to be the thing that I remember most about his career with the Blackhawks and the thing that I'll appreciate most about him as a player. He was always really fun to watch. You never quite knew what Andrew Shaw was going to bring to the mix on a nightly basis. And I just I respect him so much for whatever deficiencies he had in his skill set. He more than made up for an in intensity and hard work. And I and I know that gets talked about a lot, probably overly so, but it's so true in his case. You just have to say it. And that was the thing I kept coming back to the more I thought about his retirement and stepping away from hockey was that ability to use those traits to just endear himself to the fans of Chicago and to make himself a fan favorite. I really I respect him a lot. I'm glad that he was able to, you know, come to the decision for that was best for his health and for his family. And obviously I wish Andrew nothing but the best. It's gonna it's not gonna be the same without number sixty five flying around the ice, but hopefully we'll see him around every every now and again. Yeah, and it's you know, looking back on it, I, I like that you what you said about how casual fans identify with him because I think that Andrew Shaw is what non hockey fans imagine hockey players to be. You know, like the <laughs> covered in scars, missing teeth, you know, just battling and fighting their hearts out. And that's the kind of guy he was. And I I think we all sort of sell him short on his skill a little bit. I think he's a better player than he gets credit for, right? I think he's his first game he comes up, he drops a glove, he scores a really nice goal, a backhand goal. And I mentioned it the other day. He was called up the same day as Dylan Olson. And at the time, Dylan Olson was a way bigger prospect than than Andrew Shaw was. But Olson fizzled out. Shaw came up here and refused to be sent down. He's like, no, I am not giving you the option to send me down. I'm going right. to fight. I'm going to score. I'm going to do everything I need to do to stay here at the NHL level. And very similar to what we've seen from Brandon Hagel in his time. Didn't start yep. the season with the Hawks. Got the call up, I don't know, it was two or three games into the season, whatever it was, and has not looked back ever since. And, you know, a lot of similarities between those two. We're going to hear that comparison for a long time. But just, you know, when you think about the moments that Andrew Shaw had in his career, and you mentioned a bunch of them, from a guy with no expectations, right, to, in terms of his level of being a prospect and you know, okay, this is going to be Ayu who kind of shuttles between Chicago and Rockford, and he'll be a call up when someone's hurt, etc. Um, he really established himself as a good NHL player, made a lot of money playing, by the way, and yeah, earned it. And earned it. Andrew Shaw is a good hockey player, and he said in his press conference, he's been told so many times that he couldn't do it that he used that for motivation, and it got him this far. And you know, it's I'm. I don't want to say I'm glad he's retiring. I'm glad he's taking care of his health. I'm yes. glad he's listening to his doctors. But, you know, for a guy who's only 29 to have the kind of career he's had, it's absolutely incredible and commendable. 
What I loved is he actually was kind of – he mentioned Brandon Hagel in his press conference. He said, you can see a little bit of me in Hags, but he's a lot more skilled than me and faster. I kind of – I liked that idea that even Shaw can kind of recognize those similarities with Brandon Hagel. And, yeah, I mean, that's definitely the type of player that we've seen Brandon be this season. Where'd you see him on the power play last night? He was parked in front of the net exactly where Andrew Shaw would have been. And he's not the biggest guy in the world, but he's tenacious and he's got quick enough hands to score the puck when he needs to in front of the net. So it's great that 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 Hagel or Shaw recognizes that Hagel is hopefully going to carry on that legacy. But let's just let's face facts here. They're really I don't know if there will ever be the kind of that like perfect combination of skill, grit, tenacity and just lovableness, I guess you would say. (laughs) that what Andrew Shaw brought to those 2013 and 2015 Stanley Cup champions. He really endeared himself to a lot of fans, and rightfully so. And like I said, I do – I hope – he's still so young, obviously. I would love to see him be able to, you know, take on a role with the Blackhawks should he choose to do it. I think he would be a very interesting guy to have in the system as some type of a coach or something like that. I think he could be really good at it. When everybody loves the guy, right? All the teammates talk about him. Remember when he came back, how excited everybody was to have his presence back in the locker room. And it's funny, like even rookies were, were sort of busting his balls when he announced his retirement. Like I think Brandon Hagel said, I'm not going to miss him flexing in front of the mirror all the time. <laughs> like it just show, shows you like, that's a guy with two cups with some skins on the wall who's just pounded up with the rookie, right? He's not being the hard ass, like, hey, rookie, carry my bags. He's a gregarious dude. He's a good dude. Uh, so I, I do believe we'll see him uh, heavily involved in the organization, um, you know, for years to come. And he should be. He should be. I think that he will be remembered as a uh, as a beloved Blackhawk, uh, and he deserves that because that dude, for, like you said, for the skill set he had, gave everything he had, every shift, and that's the sort of thing that can endear you to a city like Chicago. And he's done that. People love Andrew Shaw. And when you see the teammates love him as much as the fans, that's really all you need to know. For sure. And I think, didn't didn't he even say, like, thank you for giving a mutt a home? Yeah. Wasn't that something that he said during his uh, retirement statement? Like, wor- truer words have never been spoken. Really? And that dude was just a mutt. He was not a purebred by any stretch. <laughs> but he was so damn lovable. He was. He was. You know what you're going to love, James? Fry the Coop. The best damn Nashville hot chicken you've ever had in your life. Oaklawn, Elmhurst, Westtown, Prospect Heights, Tinley Park. Chances are, if you're in the Chicagoland area, you've got a Fry the Coop near you. And what are you waiting for? We've been telling you about Fry the Coop for a long time now. Go try the chicken tenders. Go get the donut chicken sandwich. Yes, you heard me. The donut chicken sandwich. There's no commas in there. That's one item. The donut chicken sandwich. Uh, The chicken and waffles everything at fry the coop is fantastic i will warn you it's hot it is hot when you order hot you're going to get hot and guess what there's two levels of heat above the hot go to frythecoop.com check out their menu place an order at the location nearest you and go pick it up i'm sure they're going to be open for dine-in soon i'm not sure where i think it all depends on what city they're in what county they're in etc but they should be back open for dine-in soon and when you do they've got a great craft beer selection I promise you, this is the Jay Zawoski fat guy guarantee. You will love Fry the Coop. So will your friends. So will your family. Go to frythecoop.com and check out everything they have to offer. All right, before we wrap things up, James, uh, last night, Adam Boquist in the second period takes a hit. I'm still trying to find out where the injury happened. It looked like he fell on his hand. 
it was really hard to tell whether the initial yeah. hit was what did it because he did kind of get hit in the arm on that hit, but it just looked like he completely got spun out and just was completely off balance. And yeah, you might be right. It may have happened when he fell to the ice. I'm not, not exactly sure. It could have happened in either place. Well, regardless, the result is a broken wrist. The result is a season ending injury, which is not a surprise. It's eight games left or whatever it is. Right. Um, when I saw the play, and I saw the way his hand was hanging. It looked a lot like Kirby Doc's injury. Yeah, it did. And I mean, look, <laughs> I'm looking at a camera angle from, you know, it's it's where I'm not going to try to compare injuries because I don't know. I haven't seen the x-rays. Even if I did, I wouldn't know what to make of them. You are but not it, a physician. It just looked very similar. Kind of the dangling uh, sensation with the fingers kind of like curled and, and you could tell there was no like feeling in a hand and he knew something was wrong. You could see the concern in his face mm-hmm. and he immediately like went off the ice holding it. Didn't look like he was in a lot of pain. And I don't know if, if you've ever broken anything, James, I broke my ankle when I was in grade school playing basketball, which was my first mistake, um, <laughs> but it didn't hurt. It just felt warm and heavy. That was, but I knew something bad happened. I'm like, Oh, that's not good. That's not a feeling that I've ever felt before. And that's bad. Right. And I think that that was sort of the sensation he was experiencing too. So if it's like Kirby doc's injury, doc got hurt on December 23rd and returned to the lineup. Uh, what was, I think it was March 10th. I think that, yeah, March 10th was the day Kirby doc returned. Mm -hmm. So that's three months, which would bring us to April, May, June 28th. So that would, if it's the same injury, and of course it's not, but that means he'll be ready in plenty of time for the season. That even gives him July, August, September to really get better. So I think uh, unless something catastrophic happened to that wrist, I think expectation is that Anabokos will be good and ready to go for the season. And forgive me if this is incorrect information. I saw this earlier that they don't anticipate that the wrist will need surgery. I think that's obviously it's good news that all it's going to take is, you know, obviously being immobilized and resting it. And that's obviously good news for Adam Boquist. It's just it's such a shame, man. He has been having a really strong season, I think, for the Blackhawks. It's exactly the type of season that we kind of thought that he needed to have if he was going to you know, prove himself worthy, basically, of that number eight pick in the draft that was used to pick him up. I, I think he was having a really strong season defensively. I've obviously liked a lot of what he's done on the power play. I probably would like to see him be a little bit more offensively active at even strength. But obviously, he's been working really hard on his defense, and you can tell there have been fruits to that labor, and I'm really obviously bummed out for him that the season is over, but hopefully he can come back next year, 82-game season, finally, and hopefully, you know, continue to make strides. I thought that some of the Blackhawks' prospects this season we've kind of seen really go kind of up and down in terms of their performance level and how well they've been playing. I feel like Adam Boquist was one of the – developmental success stories of this season. Mm -hmm. And it does kind of bum me out that this is the way that it's ending for him this campaign. Yeah, it's rough. And we're going to have plenty of off season to sort of evaluate the development of all these kids. But you're right. I think that his was, we, I, I fall back on this cliche all the time, but development is not linear, but his, when he came back from COVID was the most like consistently upward. Yeah. There were moments and yeah, there were games where there would be a dip, but overall, he was better and better and better every game. And that's what you want to see. So 
I don't know. Is this something that's going to set his development back? Probably not. It's only eight games. It's not going to set him back that far, but it just sucks. You want like of the things you want to continue seeing this season when, when it's all, you know, the season's pretty much done. Boquist doc and those young players are why you're still watching and to be without one of the more important ones. That kind of sucks. So it kind of does. I guess we're just going to have to watch a lot more of uh, Mike Hardman or something. I don't know. Nothing against uh, Mike Hardman, but I'm just not super excited about Mike. No, Hardman. it doesn't doesn't really rev your engine like an Adam Boquist would do, I guess. No, and also not there's quite. that whole number eighty six thing. You hold that against. Oh, him. I will never love him. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a um, it's like a royal marriage. Like I'll never love you, but I'll you know whatever. More like Mike Harshman. <laughs> You're uh, two. That's two. That, James, to make dad jokes, you need a child. I'm gonna. I'm t- just saying. Okay, no, that Adam broke wh- wrist thing was hilarious, and it, I only do it because I'm sad. Like that was that pun. That pun was made of sadness. That was why I said that. I love you the are cr- so the freaking proud of yourself and all your little sound effects, aren't you? I do love my sound effect machine. You're like a kid in a candy store right now. <laughs> Great. This this portion of the podcast where we get completely slapdick and silly is brought to you by blah, blah, blah. By the Roadcaster Pro, the greatest toy I've ever bought myself. <laughs> all right. Uh, that's going to do it for this Madhouse podcast, thankfully, because we're out of stuff. But thanks so much for tuning in. We always appreciate it. Hawks play Thursday, Saturday, right? I believe that sounds right. I don't know. We'll see what happens. They play some hockey soon. I'm feeling feeling kind of bummed. But, you know, we're not going anywhere. Did not mention the playoffs once in this podcast. Why would we? Why would we? They have a (laughs) 0.7% chance of making it, Jay. It's never over till it's over. So you're telling me there's a chance. We've got to adopt our playoff team. Oh, but remind me, we did not get this today. We got to get to the new TV deal for the NHL. I got to oh, it a little yeah. bit on my own, but God. now that we've got official details, that's a tease, mister, for next Madhouse podcast. We'll get to that for sure. But for my partner, James Vo, I'm Jay Zawoski. Thanks so much for listening to this edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast was brought to you by Fry the Coop, Triple Threat Sports, Dr. Squatch, and by the Sinsin Law Group. I'm Amira Rose Davis, historian and co-host of the sports podcast, Burn It All Down. And now I'm hosting the new season of American Prodigy, all about Black girls in gymnastics. For the last 40 years, Black gymnasts have moved from the margins to the core of the sport and changed gymnastics along the way. Now they tell their stories. You'll meet trailblazers like Diane Durham, superstars like Jordan Childs, and everyone in between. Listen to American Prodigies on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts.